so good to be together. So good to be learning and growing together. So here we go. Uh, I'm excited to be teaching this weekend as well. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Covenant Church. If you're viewing online, we want to say welcome to you as well. I'm excited because uh, we're continuing on in our series in Ephesians, Grace to Know and Grace to Go. And as we've said, Ephesians is a book that is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus with an overarching theme of unity in the church. And those six chapters are broken up into two segments, chapters one through three, chapters four through six. And we've said over the past few weeks that chapters one through three are what we would call indicatives. Chapters four through six are what we would call imperative. An indicative is a truth, is a statement, is a fact, is a perspective, is some sort of bearing on understanding, in this case, who God is and how he interacts with his people. Chapters four through six is an imperative. Imperative is gonna be a command or a spurring on or a response to those truths that we have learned. It's a movement from our head to our hearts as we then go. Grace to know and grace to go. So here we are at that pivotal point in our time together now, chapter four, where it goes from knowing to going. Chapters one through three, Paul has just sort of laid out these truth bombs of who God is, how he interacts with his people. Paul talked about God's glory, God's sovereignty. Paul talked about the power of God's redemptive love. Talked about the depth of God's grace and mercy in chapter two. Then he talked about the equality of God's people. Remember that Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus over an issue of unity. You had two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, who just weren't getting along. So Paul is sending this letter out as a reminder of who we are in Christ, our equality as God's people. So he's laying down these truth bombs one after another after another, and here we find ourselves in chapter four where things start to shift to the imperative. I said the first week that I was teaching on Ephesians that an indicative and an imperative, an example of that would be, an indicative would be a, a true statement, like today, for example, we would say it's raining outside. It's truth, there's nothing we can do about that. But the imperative, what flows from that, is that therefore, I'm gonna grab an umbrella on my way out. So here we are at that pivotal moment. Paul's laid down these truth bombs and we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, where Paul says, I'm teaching from the NIV, as a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The NASB, I think, says it well where Paul says, therefore, there's that pivoting word, considering all of these things that you know and you understand about who God is, how he interacts with creation, how he interacts with his people, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Again, Ephesians, the overarching theme is unity. So as we look through these first 16 verses of chapter four and we unpack what Paul's saying here, what does that mean to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, 
to live a life worthy of our calling. There's still this overarching theme of unity. And so what I really want us to hone in on in our time together now, the big idea, the one thing we're going to try and wrap our heads around that we're going to move from our head down to our heart is this. Unity in the church, unity in the body of Christ, the church, is joined in love, diverse in function, and singular in purpose. I believe that that's what Paul is teaching. That's one of the things that Paul is teaching through this text. The unity of the church, the body of Christ, is joined in love, diverse in function, and singular in purpose. Let's pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to gather, however that may be in this season. God, we acknowledge that you have been teaching us, not just through this season, but leading up to this season, God, you have been bringing us to portions of your scripture that have been guiding us, that have been speaking to our hearts and instructing us, not only as individuals and as people, but as your church, as community covenant church. God, as we continue our study in Ephesians now and we start to shift towards responding to living the way that you have called us to live, God, I pray that this just doesn't remain head knowledge, but that these truths move down to our heart, that they affect our lives, that they affect our steps, that they affect our relationships with one another, that they affect our church. God, we know that that's only made possible by the power of your spirit. So we invite you to do that now. Just disrupt our souls. Transform us, move us as we now look to your word and look to your spirit to direct us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes all of these things possible. We pray these things in his mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I've titled... Um, a sermon for our time together. Walk worthy, walking worthy. And I want to just read that big idea one more time. That unity in the church, the body of Christ, is joined in love, diverse in function, and singular in purpose. Joined in love, diverse in function, and singular in purpose. We're going to be looking at those three things in our time together. It starts with being joined in love. We see that in verses one through six. Starting in verse two where it says, verse one reminds us to live a life worthy of our calling. Verse two he goes on to explain what does that look like? Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. I wanna remember that, that phrase, in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who, uh, God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Look at that theme of unity as he reminds us of that oneness, one body, one Spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father. But let's go back to the beginning here where it says, in love. We're gonna see later in verse 16, the very end of this passage we're looking at, 
that same phrase pops up. It's almost like these thoughts are bookended with that idea, in love. We see in chapter 3, the chapter before this one, in verse 17, was Paul's prayer that Greg taught on last weekend, where Paul prays that the church be rooted and grounded in love. There's that phrase again, in love. Paul prays that we are rooted and grounded in love. The word love here is the word agape, and I know that from this platform we've taught about that word before, but it is definitely worthy of a reminder that we really wrap our heads and our hearts around agape love, what's being described in that passage. And the best, the best definition that I've found that I really like of agape love is this. Agape love isn't born just out of emotions, feelings, familiarity, or attraction but from the will and as a choice. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. We are joined together in love. We are joined together in agape love. Unity in the church is joined by agape love. I'm gonna put a resource in the .info uh, website, if you have your mobile phones here today, you can go to the .info site and the sermon notes. If you're viewing online, there will be notes online as well. At the bottom of those notes, I'll put some resources. But one that I'm going to place down there is, or that is already placed down there, is a word study done by the Bible Project. The Bible Project is a couple of pastors who put together surveys of the different books of the Bible, but they also put together videos that are just word studies and the one that I'm going to post is on this word, agape. Agape love is not always easy. In fact, I would probably say most of the time, if not all the time, agape love is that difficult kind of love. It's not always gonna be the warm and fuzzies. Agape love is not born out of emotions. Agape love is from the will. Agape love is a choice and it's relational, it's others-oriented. Think back to Paul's prayer where he prays that we are rooted and grounded in love. Paul's praying that we as a church are rooted and grounded in faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice relationally with one another. What does this love look like? I think one of the best examples of this love was from God. Romans 5, 8 says it simply but profoundly. Wrap your heads around this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We've heard that verse before. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, 7 says the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, at enmity with God, actively opposed to God while we were sinners, while we were actively opposed to God, Christ died for us. Faithfulness, sacrifice, commitment. That makes me think of a friend of mine who, whose sister was, was actually murdered. And after the trial, and after her offender was convicted and sent to prison, 
this friend of mine went to the prison and he, he met with his sister's murderer and he forgave him in an act of love, agape love, others oriented. He forgave this man. That verse in Romans reminds me of that, but then it also brings to mind the fact that what would be closer to Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, would be that if that friend of mine was there the moment of the crime, while this person was actively opposed, standing there, looking at him, saying, I love you, I forgive you, I love you, I forgive you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's an extreme example of others-oriented love, sacrificial, faithful, committed. Our unity is joined together in that kind of love. That's what Paul is teaching us. Others-oriented, rooted and grounded in love. Our unity is joined in love. It's diverse in function. Read on in chapter, in uh, verse seven, where it says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Paul, at the end of verse six, where he's reminding us of that unity-oriented, that, that unity that originates with God, one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Then goes on in verse seven, and he uses that same word, one, except he uses it differently. He says, to each one of you, God has given us grace as Christ apportioned it. He's quoting Psalm 68, verse 18, where the verse says, he gives gifts to all people. Some translations might translate that as he gives gifts to all men, but the Greek word there is actually the word anthropos, and that's inclusive of both male and female. That's why I think that the NIV version is correct in translating it, that he gives gifts to all people. Paul's not speaking about the grace here that we receive upon salvation, but what Paul is speaking about is spiritual gifts. Paul is speaking about spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, 6, Paul writes, we have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. So when he says that grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it, he's not talking about the grace we receive from salvation. He's talking about spiritual gifts. In fact, in Ephesians 3.8, Paul says that grace was given to him to preach to the Gentiles. So we're diverse in our functions. We're diverse in our gifting. We're diverse in our spiritual gifts. It then goes on to say in verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Descended and, and ascended. What he's talking about is the incarnation of Christ. Christ came to earth, dwelled with us, died and ascended into heaven. Interestingly enough, in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples that he had to ascend into heaven so that the Holy Spirit could come. 
the same Holy Spirit that gives us our spiritual gifts. Paul then reminds us of the responsibility to preach, teach, shepherd, and equip others to serve. In his commentary on the book of Ephesians, Klein Snodgrass writes this, while it is true that some have a special responsibility to teach and to preach, Paul stresses that every Christian is responsible to build up the church. We're diverse in our function. We're diverse in our gifts. We're diverse in our abilities. We're diverse in our talents. By God's grace, we're diverse in our spiritual gifts. But what this commentary is pointing out is that Paul stresses that every Christian is responsible for building up the church, not only those with the responsibility to teach and to preach. God gives those people the ability to teach and preach and instruct and shepherd to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I've often heard it said that churches may some or a warning to churches not to fall into just being one large mouth and a bunch of little ears. Does church slip into that for us? Does it become something where the person on the platform is just one large mouth and then we who are coming to church become a bunch of little ears? That's not what, what Paul is talking about when he says that we're diverse in function. He's reminding us that we're part of this oneness, part of this unity that originates with God himself. But we're built by different gifts, different talents, different spiritual gifts. We are diverse in function, but we all have a function. What is your function? What is your function as part of the body of Christ? We have some serving opportunities on our website. You can find it on the .info site. There's a tab online, if you're viewing online, where you can follow that link. And we have the many different opportunities that we have here at CCC to serve, opportunities to join in God's kingdom work here at Community Covenant Church. What is your function as part of the body of Christ? What are your spiritual gifts? I'll put down in the resource section down below in the notes or online in the notes, a link to a spiritual gifts test. It's a quick form that you fill out and then it comes back with your spiritual gifts. I've taken this test multiple times and I kind of hover between pastor, shepherd, teacher and a gift of mercy in there as well. It's something that I'll I'll, I'll constantly go back to and check in with as God has, through his grace, given us spiritual gifts. Have you taken the time to figure out what your spiritual gift may be for the body? That's our function as part of the body of Christ. Why? Building up the church in faith and knowledge, growing into Christ, leads to the last point, that we're singular in purpose. So we're bearing with one another in love. We're all diverse in our function as part of 
the body of Christ, as part of the church. And we are singular in purpose. What is that purpose? That purpose is found in verse 13. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we're joined together in love. We're diverse in our functions, but we're singular in our purpose. The unity of the church, the purpose of the unity of the church is a movement towards maturity, building up one another in Christ who is the head. There's a movement towards maturity. There's a a contrast that jumps out in the following verses. This is really the why behind it. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, there it is again, in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Look at the contrast here. We're no longer infants. We're mature. We're no longer tossed back and forth, but we're joined and held together. Not influenced by cunning and craftiness of people. No, we're speaking the truth in love. No deceitful scheming. We have purpose, building each other up in love. There it is again at the end of this passage, in love, bearing with one another in love at the start, building up one another in love at the end. That idea of in love, agape love, is bookending Paul's teaching here. The unity of the church is joined in love, diverse in function, and singular in purpose. And that purpose is that we build one another up in love. The church, every one of us sitting here, are stronger together. Each one of us, bearing with one another in love, diverse in our function as part of this body of believers, have a singular purpose of moving towards maturity and growth. That's what Paul's reminding the church in Ephesus. Unity creates growth, maturity. I've so appreciated this study in the imagery that Paul uses of the church being a body. Different members different functions, joined together in love, singular purpose. I so appreciate that the NASB version of that that first verse, verse one, where it says, 
I, a prisoner of the Lord, employ you, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. The image that we're joined together, the image that we have purpose, the image that we're not all alike, each of us have different functions. But then that imagery of us walking, the church isn't meant to be sitting still the church is a movement. The church isn't a building. The church isn't about you coming to church. It's about you going from church, moving from church. And us as a body, we, we function together as we join in God's kingdom work through Community Covenant Church. I so appreciate that imagery because it's so true. The body being held together different parts, one purpose. And we all need to be a part of this. That's what Paul's reminding us. We are better together, we grow together than if we were to be apart. Serving one another, loving one another. I wanna read you something that I found on sportsrec.com. It says, the bones that support walking. The bones that support walking include the feet, such as the metatarsals, the tarsals, and the phalanges bones, the ankle bones, the bones in the legs that include the femur, the fibula, the tibula, the patella, and the hip bones. Of course, all these bones support the movement of walking. But additionally, Walking helps to fortify the body's whole skeletal system. Walking is a safe and low-impact, weight-bearing activity. Each time you take a stroll, you're building stronger bones. The bones that support walking. Each time you take a stroll, you're building stronger bones. Look again at Ephesians 4.16. From him, the whole body, body of believers, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each time you take a stroll, you're building stronger bones. Paul's teaching us about unity in the church. He's reminding us about unity in the church. That right there answers the question. Why exert the effort to be joined together in love? Why bear with one another in love? Why discover my spiritual gifts? Why then use those gifts as part of a local church? Why then use those gifts to serve the body? Every supporting bone and ligament, every supporting function within the body of believers as we interact with one another in love grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. We grow together. We grow in unity. We don't grow in isolation. 
We need each other to grow properly. God designed this long before that article was ever written. And he revealed that truth to Paul. We're meant to grow together in unity, joined in love, diverse in function, and singular in purpose as we walk together as a body of believers. And the message of the gospel, the the work of the gospel, the work of God's kingdom moves through the unity of the church, amen? Committed, faithful, sacrificial, love for one another for the sake of the body. Each time we move together through whatever it may be, we may be thinking of that person that we're just not getting along with. We may be thinking about that difficult situation that we gotta take that step in faith through. We need each other to do that. And the result is growth. That's an awesome promise. I'm ready to commit for whatever God is bringing in the next season. I'm ready to commit to, stay, to take that step together. I'm ready to commit to each one of you in love, agape love. I'm eager for each one of us to find our gifts and our function as part of that whole as we continue to grow together. I understand that there may be some people here or some people viewing online that maybe the gospel or the message of the gospel through anything that I've shared in our time together may be something new as well. Being a part of God's family with Christ as our head. If you want to experience that unity and that growth, then I would urge you to respond. If you're viewing online, respond in the comments and someone will reach out. Maybe some of us here have felt the spirit move in our hearts. Maybe there's some area of our life that we need to repent of, that we need to remove, that we need to run from. Would you let us know? You can fill out a prayer request, a digital prayer request card on the dot info site there. On your way out, you can let us know. We want to be together as much as we can in this season. So reach out. We're stronger together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your truth that you revealed to us in your word. God, we acknowledge that the only way we even understand these things is through the power of your spirit. God, that you choose to reveal yourself to us, that you choose to move in our hearts. That you're a God that is active and interested in who we are. And through studying your word and spending time together in moments of worship, God, you're bringing us closer and closer to being more and more like Christ Jesus. God, we invite you to continue to do that. And as we, as a church, continue to move through the book of Ephesians, 
Continue to look to your spirit and to your word for direction. And I pray that these, this time that we spend together in your word affects us as people and as a church. God, this letter was written a thousand years, thousands of years ago. But it rings so true to us now. So I pray that we take these things and that it doesn't just stay in our heads, but we do move it down to our hearts, that it affects change. God, that we would leave this place and that we would live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. We pray these things through the mighty power of your son, Jesus. Amen.